Hello, everyone. This is episode 758 of the Pixelated Sausage Podcast for the week of Friday, February 5th, 2021. I am your host, Mark Cruznez, and today I'll be talking about Project Starship X, Abroxia 2, Vera Blanc, Ghost in the Castle, How to Take Off Your Mask, Remastered Edition. I did not write that down, but it is, in fact, the Remastered Edition, Blacksmith of the Sand Kingdom, and then the Dark Eye Chains of Satinov and the Dark Eye Memoria. And that is it in terms of what I've been playing. But before I get to that, I want to talk about a few things, including Attack the Backlog. So if you are a listener or watcher of that show, you know that the last episode was Doom 2016. And I think that is a really good example of how the video is a nice companion to the audio if you are an audio-only listener. Because when possible, especially in games like Doom where it's very action centric and there's not as much downtime so i can't really show you like oh here's a scene where i'm walking and the scenery so pretty it's just no kill 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 that's all the game is killing kill 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 and what i try to do with games like that and all games is string together the clips in a way that there is this seamless flow between them so if i am midway between a melee kill in one clip I will do my best to find a clip that is also midway or start that clip where it is midway through a melee kill and then put them together so that it seems like they are still the same scene. Though you will notice that, oh, the environment's different or maybe the enemy that's getting killed is different. And I think the Doom 2016 is a really good example of that. I'm I'm proud of it in that way. I think it's a fun episode to watch just in that sense. But yeah, that is something I do like to do, whether you've noticed that or not. I, I I do try my best to make the video flow as best as possible. If I think two clips need to come one after another, but they just don't flow as well, that's when I will use a crossfade or, or whatnot, a cross dissolve. But for the most part, I do like to just let the clips not speak for themselves, but just go one after another without any kind of transition but yeah that was a a fun episode to put together and i think it's nice having a positive episode given how many negative to kind of average episodes i've had out there not in terms of quality but i mean in terms of how i felt about the games i am talking about and then of course there are still two episodes in the bank that are not positive the quiet man and The Prince of Persia, not the Prince of Persia, just Prince of Persia, The Sands of Time. The Quiet Man will be the next episode. This is going to be a massive 180 from 2016, but then still planning to hold off on the Sands of Time video until the launch of the remake. And then I have five scripts done for future episodes. I haven't begun video slash episode Uh, production editing on any of them yet so there's going to be one weekend where I just go crazy I usually like to build up like two or three episodes worth of attack the backlog content and then work on it all during one weekend so five is kind of pushing it and I'll probably add a sixth one before I get going I don't know but in the bank in terms of scripts Right now, I have Uncharted The Lost Legacy, which is the last one I just played, Rhyme, Pumpkin Jack, Nine Monkeys of Shaolin, 
And what is the last one? Donut County. Donut County. And yeah, the nice thing about those five episodes is that they are all positive to varying degrees. Some are like, oh, it was okay, but a little disappointing. And one of them is, which I think I already teased in a previous episode, one of them is one of my top five games probably of all the games I've played for Attack the Backlog, a game that I absolutely adore from start to finish. And another one is one I really, really like too. I mean, I'd say three of them are all pretty damn good. And a fourth one is also close to pretty damn good. And then the fifth one is like, eh, and then fifth one is Donut County. Donut County was a, a game that did not translate as well to the big screen as I think it probably felt if you played it on a handheld device or a mobile device. And yeah, I could not stop myself from comparing it to Karamari Damacy, which is just a better game in every aspect, at least on the, the big screen. Maybe if I played Donut County on my phone or a tablet, I would feel differently. But yeah, that, that was... a. a Decent game that just did not live up to expectations, especially the expectations I built up in my head after wanting to play it for so many years and hearing so many great things about it. It, it did end up being a bit of a disappointment. But you know, it's not a disappointment. My script, where I'm going to spoil this, I use this joke twice and I make note to uh, make sure that I, I don't act like I wasn't using it twice in the, the episode. But I, I use the joke, Donut County on me for good jokes or stuff like that. You're, you know, where I replace don't count with donut county. <laughs> Guess, you know, I'm a fucking idiot. But yeah, having five scripts in the bank is ridiculous. A little overwhelming. I should maybe not add another one to those before I start working on finishing up these episodes. But I, I do have a lot of stuff that is in basically not pre-production, but in the beginning stages of production, getting the script done is the most important thing for me because I can't move on until I get that script done. I don't want any other outside influences, any other games getting in the way of my thoughts on a game. So that is why it is important for me to get that script done as soon as possible after finishing a game. I don't work on it while I'm playing a game because I feel like that is just going to take me somewhat out of the experience i want to be as immersed in the game while i'm playing it as i can and then when i'm done then i jump to writing the script so as long as that's done everything is okay but uh yeah that the that'll be a fun time putting all those things together and i'm i'm excited to do the uncharted episode because i have a somewhat rocky history with the series and I already said that I was positive on all of these games and I was I was very positive on the Lost Legacy and I think one crucial decision that I decided to make early on in my playthrough something that I opted not to do with the first four games or the the numbered games and I think it was the right decision. I I won't spoil that cuz I'm just spoiling everything. Why are you even going to watch Attack the Backlog at this point when I'm just telling you everything? But uh that is the latest in the Attack the Backlog updates, which I did not give you last week, I don't believe. So, yeah. Then Google Stadia has closed, I believe, all their interner, internal, interner, interner studios, internal studios, which I believe includes 
what is their name? I can't remember their name, but the studio that did Journey to the Savage Planet, which is a game that I will probably play for Attack the Backlog at some point, but that game looked like it could be my jam, and it was a little bit of a bummer when Google bought them, because that meant, you know, their future games would be Stadia exclusive, it would seem, but now it would seem that instead they just bought them so they they could close them a year or whatever later, a year and change, two years later. So that is sad because as far as I know, all the studios were just closed. So these people are without jobs. I I don't know if they can just be like, okay, we'll keep working independently. I don't I don't know how it's all going to work out for them, but it's a it's disappointing. Google Stadia is still not dead dead, but I feel like it's inevitable that it's going to die and become something else that they put out there. It's not going to be this consumer product anymore, but as it currently stands, it is still a consumer product. And I hope I hope they just kill it and get it over with because given that it still exists in a way where you can purchase games through it, it just it seems real shitty if they shut their doors on it completely as a consumer facing product within the year while still allowing people to buy games at full price in it but uh yeah that was big news i guess but at the same time google does this all the time and and we shouldn't be surprised by it the happy news for me is that mlb the show 21 was officially announced for playstation 5 and playstation 4 and xbox one and xbox series consoles i think when the deal happened, they also made it seem like Switch was in the cards, but I don't believe they announced a Switch version. I could be wrong, but I'm not sure. It is a game I would consider double dipping because, no, never mind. I wouldn't. If I actually took my Switch with me on the go somewhere, I would love to have a really nice baseball game to go portably. I had, I, Never really played the games on PlayStation 3 or 4, but I did play them a bit on the Vita because having good-ass portable sports games is really great. I, I would probably play NBA 2K21 all the time if I had like this portable version I could play because they're games that you play in bite-sized doses. You play them in games, of course, and they just are so well-suited for handheld devices. But... I'm very, very excited that it's happening this year. I thought that with their wording that maybe it wouldn't happen until next year, but we're getting it this year and it's awesome. It's great that the Xbox consoles will finally have a great simulation baseball game on them again. Yeah, we have the Super Mega Baseball series, but as fun as those games are, I still just, I don't like the way they look. I really hate the art style. They've gotten better with 2 and 3. I think 1 was especially ugly. But even so, I, I want that sim experience. I want a game where I can create myself in it and go through my own little career. That is why I play sports games, is to create myself and have my career. Even though I don't really have the time and will probably never stick with any sports career at this point. Not like when I was younger. I remember maybe it was MLB 2K21, the last baseball game where I played I at least played through an entire major league baseball game or baseball season without skipping a game 
and gotten to the second year, which is ridiculous because, as you know or don't know, there are 162 games in one season. So that's a lot. Of course, I don't have to play every inning and stuff like that. But I'm a, I'm excited. And it's not a surprise that Sony did not use smart delivery on Xbox or a similar type of thing on PlayStation because they've shown that that's not what they're doing with like bug snacks and other games. So that's not a surprise. But what was a pleasant surprise, if you want to call not offering, you know, just the a multiple pack version for no extra cost, they did unlike NBA 2K21, which charged a hundred dollars for the dual pack. They're only charging eighty-five, which is fifteen dollars more than the current gen version. So the Xbox Series and PlayStation Five versions of the game are seventy dollars, and then the last gen versions are sixty dollars. So for fifteen dollars more than the current gen version, you can get both, and that's important for me because I share my library with my father. He doesn't have a series console. He loves baseball. We can play together. So getting both versions is important to me. But, you know, I, I know why it's not a big deal to other people. You also get some goodies. There's, it's called the Jackie Robinson Edition. And then there's like the Jackie Robinson Deluxe Edition for $100. And what you get in those is the versions of both games. And then packs for what I would assume are like the ultimate team equivalent. I never mess around with that shit in any sports game, so I don't know and I don't care. But the the deluxe edition just gives you like, here's an extra platinum pack and a few extra gold packs. I'm like, okay, don't care. And then with both of those editions, they're giving $1 for every purchase to the Jackie Robinson Foundation or whatever it's called, something like that. So that's nice as well. But uh, yeah, and then... Hitman 3 put out the roadmap for February, including an escalation on Dartmoor, the the mansion clue uh, level that uh, went live yesterday, February 4th, and showed a few deluxe escalations coming out later in the month, and a few uh, maybe a few other regular exclamations, exclamations, escalations, and then some. Special challenges with Minmax and kind of funny, which is neat, especially for Minmax. I think they are well aware of Leo Vader's love for the series and that banana video that went around. So I'm assuming that's probably a big part of how they ended up on their radar and got to work with them in this way. I don't know how deep the collaboration goes, but it's it's cool that it was there. They didn't mention it on the Minmax show, the last one, I don't believe, which I thought was weird because they did bring up Hitman, I think, at some point, just to be like, oh, yeah, Hitman's still great. But they didn't mention it, which I thought they would. So I'm not exactly sure what or how extensive that collaboration really is. But as nice as all that is, and with two of the escalations or something, maybe it's both the deluxe ones, I don't remember. But there are going to be some new suits and items you can unlock which look pretty cool there's like this almost gi joe not snake eyes but the 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 white ninja suit looking thing which i'm way into but the thing is it's really hard to get excited when the game is still broken for me and i don't know when 
it'll be fixed. It's hard to want to play when I'm just missing that mastery. And I was so sure that we wouldn't get a fix. And who knows if they'll be able to fix it. But I did check and see on the forums. They have their little pin of Hitman 3 known issues. Things that have been fixed. And then things that they are still working on. But they do note that. Players are unable to reach full mastery in locations due to losing XP, but challenge is still marked as complete after experience a server disconnect, and that status is listed as tracked, and that the issue is on their radar. And that is slightly promising. I don't know. They, they last updated it today. But the fact that it's just mentioned as being on their radar, whereas some of these other ones, they are aware and working on a solution, means that they know it's a problem, but they're not working on a fix for it right now, I guess. Or maybe they're still just trying to find I don't know. But that's a bummer because one of the, the maps, the levels where my master was lost, was Dartmoor. And I don't want to like unlock new challenges because like, I don't know what they're going to do. Are they going to reset the challenges? Are they... I, it makes me hesitant to play the Escalation, which just came out for Dartmoor because of the mastery thing. And I don't want to be like, okay, I'm going to play through these and get mastery, which is then going to be reset completely. And I'm like, ugh. It's, it's a bummer, the issues the game has had with XP and importing your level and all that kind of stuff, your, your progress. Because if you just ignore all that, the game is fantastic. It, it's such a great time. They do a lot of interesting things with these new levels that I'm really into. And the only thing I would say about the game itself, ignoring these specific issues that is a pain in the ass, is that it's still nowhere near as frequent as when it launched. But occasionally you'll get a little prompt that says, you lost connection to the server. You want to reconnect or do you want to go offline? And if you go offline, I think you would just end up being kicked out of the level and you would lose any XP that you got. So that kind of stuff is annoying. I understand why they have the whole server thing. It's for the XP system and leveling system and mastery and all that kind of stuff. But I wish there was a way for them to just be like, if you, if you lose connection, we still have this information saved on your console and we will upload it when you next log in. And, you know, it, it would be against your good judgment or it'd be to your detriment if you logged in on another console without doing that where it would just overwrite whatever thing uh, whatever information or, or xp you gain but i wish there was some way of getting around this always online aspect of it but uh yeah that, that's hitman 3 so let's get on to what i've been playing so Project Starship X is a vertical scrolling shmup with an emphasis on dodging projectiles. So it plays like your basic shmup. You're going from the bottom of the screen to the top. And enemies are coming in. You'll get a lot of indicators that enemies will be coming in from these directions or that beams. And these are the things you have to be more cognizant of are going to be coming in from this direction or that direction. Because usually... Beams or strings of bullets will take up the entire screen. And the only way to avoid them is to dash through them. And this has a cooldown of a few seconds or maybe even just a second and a half or so. 
And it's a really big part of the game, but it just ugh, doesn't feel that great. I, I don't think it is always apparent when your invincibility frames after dashing end up. It, it just seems like it's very easy to get into situations where you dash, but then you dashed into more bullets because you don't have complete control over your dashing. I don't think you can dash in 360 degrees. It didn't seem like you could. It always seemed like I would push in a direction and then it would, it would dash me relatively close to that direction. I don't know if it's just four, you know, up, down, left, and right dashing or octagonal <laughs> dashing. But uh, yeah, it, it, it didn't feel that great. Wasn't overly fond of it. Shooting enemies wasn't super satisfying. The, the bosses seemed way easier than the rest of the level because it, it's, it's more, not that it's pattern based, but it's just, you don't have to worry about a bunch of things coming in at the same time, I guess. I don't know. I just, I wasn't really into it. It, it was a bit of a bummer because I'm, I'm a fan of shmups. And then Habroxia too, which the pronunciation of that, I could be very off on it. It is H-A-B-R-O-X-I-A and then the number two. I know at least that you pronounce the number two as the number two. And I'm not talking about poo. But Habroxia is a horizontal scrolling shmup in, in the vein of like R-type in those games. And this one I, I liked quite a bit, even though I'm almost certain it is designed with the expectation that you will grind the shit out of it because the way it works is that you are going through these levels and you are gaining currency that you can use for leveling up your ship. You have like this little overworld map and you have a space station where you can mess around with things, including leveling up your ship. And there are maybe 63 or so upgrades, not, not different upgrades, but like there are 10, nine, different things you can upgrade up to seven times a piece or whatever and that is something that will definitely keep me playing because i like that loop if you put in a leveling system and your game feels good enough i'm gonna be into it i'm gonna dig it because i like that loop i like that monotonous loop it is something that is so easy to play when you want to just turn off part of your brain or when you don't want to focus entirely on a game and you're watching or listening to a podcast you can play something like this and just go through that loop over and over and over again and it doesn't matter if it's super challenging or feels not not cheap it, it, because I, I don't think it's cheap it's just pretty challenging and you feel somewhat weak early on but you can upgrade stuff like your bullet speed bullet spread your health etc and once you upgrade things just a smidgen, and you also have special guns uh, that you can change, you unlock more as you play, the bosses are all right. It's, it's a little bit slow moving, but I think it's good enough and the leveling system is enticing enough to make it worth checking out, and for me at least worth playing. And, and like I, I was alluding to before, I think I went off a tangent. I think once you get the 
first upgrade for a lot of these things, it starts to feel a lot better. Like the first bullet speed upgrade feels like a significant upgrade over the original. So you feel pretty weak at the beginning, but I think you quickly start to feel significantly stronger in the early goings. And of course, that'll only increase as you get more levels. But it definitely feels like a very grindy game where you're going to replay the same levels over and over again to get those coins so that you can upgrade your abilities. And if that is something that puts you off, then you should probably skip Hebroxia too. But if uh, that doesn't, it's worth checking out. Then Vera Blanc, Ghost in the Castle, is a visual novel with puzzle elements, so you can choose to turn them on or off if you want a, a, a solely visual novel experience or if you want the interaction of puzzles. And I would definitely recommend playing it with the puzzles because I think visual novels need some kind of user input to make them interesting because if there's nothing of the sort, I am... I am hard-pressed to think of a reason why I would ever play them. If I wanted to just read something, I would read a book. I would read a comic. I would read anything else. I would not play a visual novel. I don't see the enjoyment or the allure of a visual novel where you only read the story and have no agency over it or anything because that is, that is not why I'm playing a game, to just read on my TV it's a terrible experience. I hate reading on my TV so much. And yet I still want to try and get into visual novels. But uh, I, w- I would recommend keeping the puzzles on because if you don't, you're just going to be reading the story of Verblanc, Ghost in the Castle, which is, you know, I don't know, Scooby-Doo-esque. One, it looks terrible. I hate the art. It looks really bad. And especially looks bad on the big screen. But it's just a garbage story with garbage characters don't expect any well-written women in it. Uh, it's just, I, I did not like any of it, which is why I say you should keep the puzzles on because if you're just in there for the story, you're not going to have a good time. I don't think you would. I was not having a good time at all. And the puzzles are stuff like, here are a bunch of numbers. Now give them back to me in the order. I just showed them to you and stuff like that. But yeah, I I was not a fan. And then How to Take Off Your Mask is another visual novel. But this is an okay one. It feels competent. I I think fans of visual novels will probably enjoy it. It is a very anime visual novel where you play as this girl who turns into this little cat girl. Like I think you're a young adult. And then you turn into this like 13, 14-year-old cat girl. You shrink in size, you become all white, you got a tail, you grow the ears. And then your best friend goes from being this kind of aloof dude to being this more dapper-looking prince knight fella. And it it's a it's an alright story, I guess. Like it's it's well written, it's well voiced for what it is. And I didn't dislike it, but it it isn't entirely my jam really but it was engaging enough it's got its nice visuals it's very nice and colorful and yeah it's fine for what it is then blacksmith of the sand kingdom is the game i enjoyed the most of all the games i've played this past week i like this game a lot 
it does fall into the same trappings as Broxa 2 in that it is going to be very grindy, but the basic loop, the gameplay loop of Blacksmith of the Sand Kingdom is that you have your little storefront and then you create your group of five adventurers and then you go to the adventurers guild and you get some quests and then you go into the dungeon to try and fill them out and then you are collecting goods in the dungeon you're fighting battles you can only go to the dungeon once per day and when you return you'll go to the infirmary to heal up your team always go to the restaurant whatever it's called to eat a meal a day because that is a great way of getting XP and that's what the the restaurant is for getting some XP every day then there's an item shop where you can purchase or sell items and when you return from going to the dungeon first go to the adventures guild and cash in any quests that you did complete and maybe pick up some new ones then go to your your shop your blacksmith store craft some stuff or take things you've gained from the dungeon and then put them up for sale and you go through that loop over and over and over again. And I really like it. There is a story. You don't have to engage with it. And that's one of the things I really like about the game is that you can engage with a lot of its elements as much or as little as you want. So with the the combat, with the actual RPG turn-based combat, which works off of a formation and placement setup. So you'll put in your stronger party members in the front who can take a lot of damage to be the ones that are getting attacked first in most cases and stuff like that. But you can, one, speed the combat up by just pressing a little button and that'll stay on all the time. And that'll make combat go faster. And then you can set up each battle to auto play out for itself. And your AI members, including yourself, like you don't have to do anything either. It's not just you are letting your fellow party members do their own thing but even yourself it'll just go through the the combat scenario all by itself they seem to know what they're doing and so if you just want to make the the combat sections the dungeons more of a breeze so that you can just get to the store managing and crafting element you can do it if you just want to focus on the story and you don't want to engage as much with the storefront stuff or the combat stuff. You can do that as well. And I, I really like it. It's got a nice look to it. Controls well. The one thing I don't like about the combat sections is that it seems that when you get within range of an enemy, they just notice you. It doesn't matter if they're looking at you or not. So what this means or what it leads to is that it's pretty much impossible to get the the leg up on them which does happen at times like there will be times where they get the jump on you or you get the jump on them but i don't understand the reasoning behind it and it seems like maybe if i manage to just go around in circles and circles and then interact with them from the side it happens but even then it's not super consistent but it it really is that simple of a game uh, at its core you start off each day and then you'll go to the dungeon, get your shit. More dungeons will unlock as you play more and more. You can only do that once a day. And then when you come back, you heal up your party members. You go to the restaurant, you eat the food. You can eat the food at the beginning of each day. 
I don't think I've ever tried that. I've always gone to the dungeon first. But you could potentially eat them first. And, and leveling up doesn't do anything but improve your numbers. Like it, it doesn't ask you to start messing with skill trees or any stuff like that. And you go to the item shop. You might buy something if you want it or sell some stuff. Yeah, and then you go to your blacksmith store and craft some goods and then sell them. And then you watch them sell in a menu. You don't actually see the store or any customers coming in. But it's nice. Your store will level up as you sell more goods when you hit certain thresholds. And it's a really great game like Hebroxia 2, but even more so since the comet is turn-based and you don't have to be as engaged with it turn off half your brain with or not focus entirely on it you can like i said engage with it completely if you want you can pay attention to the story completely you can do all the combat yourself the combat is satisfying if you are playing it out but at the same time if you just want to skip through a bunch of combat you can do it that way and both work it's not like you feel that your your party members are wasting their mp too much or or doing stupid things in combat that are leading to their deaths way too early. They, they seem to be pretty competent in that respect. So, yeah, I I really like it. I, I do think that for some people, and even for myself, after a certain point, it'll probably get maybe a little bit too repetitive. But as a game that you can just play in small chunks and you can leave and come back to and not feel like you're missing out. Because like this, this story is fine. But it's not why I'm playing it. So jumping in and out is not going to be a problem for me. But yeah, I, I definitely recommend checking it out. Uh, that is, again, Blacksmith of the Sand Kingdom. And it is available on everything, I'm pretty sure. And then the Dark Eye Chains of Satinov and the Dark Eye Memoria are a couple of point-and-click adventures from 2012 and 2013. Satinov was the first one, and Memoria is the... Second one, not in the series as a whole, but the Chains of Satinov came out first in 2012, and then Memoria is a direct sequel to it. And they're okay. They do suffer from the usual problem that point-and-click adventures suffer from, which is obtuse, convoluted, why puzzles that can be frustrating and require very specific ordering of, of tasks in order to complete and and something that you may end up requiring the use of a guide to complete which is uh frustrating but the real problem for the game for me is that i do think it looks really good i think visually the art and the art style looks great love the look of it and the voice acting is pretty good as well but the story and the character you play, it's like Genon, I don't know. It, it's just really generic. It's generic fantasy. And it does nothing to stand out, which makes it so much less enticing or interesting to keep playing. Like I, I don't find myself drawn to this world or the characters or what's happening in it. It's just another fantasy game with no hook to it. And yeah, it may look really good. And yeah, the voice actor may be pretty good. But I don't really care enough 
to stick around in this world. You know, I, I played both of them a smidgen, even though I didn't finish Satanov before jumping into Memoria. But it just, it didn't grab me, which is, you know, a bummer. It's a bummer. But what can you say? And, and you definitely have to exhaust all your dialogue options with everyone in order to open up paths and ways of completing puzzles to keep that in mind if you do check it out. But it's just, it's okay. It's fine. But that is like one of the worst descriptors for a game, I think, is to just be fine. Because if you're just fine, then you're not standing out in any way. And if you're not standing out in any way, then why would somebody choose to play you over some other game? You know, I talked about Tohu last week, and Tohu has this absolutely gorgeous art style that just draws me in and makes me want to keep playing to see the next screen that is going to be just as beautiful, maybe even more beautiful. That isn't the case with the Dark Eye games, because... While they do look really good, it's just your generic fantasy town stuff. And it it looks more like the art found in those find puzzle games. I wonder what it was called. They're like Where's Waldo thing where it's like a hidden object. <laughs> the hidden object games. That's probably what they're called, the hidden object games. So yeah, it, it looks just like one of those. And doesn't have a distinct look to it. And just, they didn't grab me. That's all there is to them. A bit of a letdown there. But I think if for whatever reason you didn't play them when they originally came out. And you're a fan of the basic point and click adventure style with those types of puzzles and everything. Definitely worth checking out. I was playing it on Xbox One. Or my Series X. But uh, the Xbox version of it and it works well enough with the controller so the way it works is that you have direct control over your character and then objects you're able to interact with will have a little like circle around them and when you're in the vicinity of them they'll show up on screen and you can just walk and walk and walk until you get into the right position for something but if you see all these various circles that are very close to one another you can't just use the bumpers to toggle between them which is nice it can be a little tricky walking around a space to find stuff that you're able to interact with but overall i think it has translated well to a controller which is good i'm I'm glad that it's not just a full point click adventure i do like being able to control the character with the analog stick but uh yeah that is it and that is all for this episode of the pixelated sausage podcast once again I am Mark Krishnes. Y'all can find me on Twitter and pretty much everywhere at PX Sausage. The site is, of course, pixelatedsausage.com, where you can find this podcast, Attack the Backlog, and Unamazingly Baka, all of which are available on podcast services across the globe. You can also check out the video for Attack the Backlog and Unamazingly Baka over at youtube.com slash pixelatedsausage, along with maybe some other videos in the future. I don't know, but what I do know is that the art I make is also on the site, and if you see something you like, you can purchase a print of the piece you fancy. And if you fancy the site in general and anything that we do, please go over to patreon.com slash pxs and support us that way. As always, thank you for listening. I hope you enjoy this here episode, and I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful day and an absolutely lovely week 
and bye.